Well, good morning again, church family. Um, good to be with you. And as we've said many times, I know this is not what we all expected, um, but um, we are glad to know that you can tune in and use this technology to join in worship this morning. Again, feel free to use the comments to say hi. Let us know that you found it. Let us know that you're watching. You can interact with each other there. Uh, we're going to make the best of it. And so, uh, you know, I know this is not what we all expected our day to be like. It's not what we all expected our month to be like. Uh, if you're like me, you were looking forward to March Madness, college basketball. That's called March Madness. And if we're honest, it feels a little bit more like March Sadness. Um, but, of course, I, I want to be humorous. I I there's ways we can make light, and yet there's nothing um, funny of about what we are facing in our world and, and wanting to help people and protect people. And so um, all of these things that are going around, on around us right now, cancellations and closures, uh, quarantining, uh, it can be stressful. It can, it can feel tense. It feels... Um, very serious. And so this morning, as we get into God's word, I want us to be asking the question, what does God have for us in this? I mean, we always want to answer, ask and answer that question. What does God have for us in this? What can we learn? What is he up to? How might God use this, even the, 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 the crisis that surrounds us and the, and the, and the uncertainty day to day, how might God use this in our lives? And perhaps... Uh, this morning, as we look into God's word, perhaps we will, God will help us to consider what is truly important. What is central to following God? What is central to being a follower of Jesus? Uh, as you know, we have been in a series of messages through a book in the Bible called 1 Corinthians, and we've called the series Better Together. And this book in our Bible, 1 Corinthians, is a letter written from the Apostle Paul, a church leader. Uh, to a group of Christians in a town called Corinth. And, in, and he's writing this letter to, the, to this people in the midst of their busy lives, in the midst of some confusion they have. And he's writing, I think we're going to see today where we come to in the letter, he's writing to them and saying, here's what is central to your life as a Christian. Here's what living for God should look like. So, open your Bibles with me, if you would. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is where we will start reading in just a moment. Always love you to pull out your Bible, not just take my word for it. Open your Bible, have it in your lap, pull out your device, open your Bible app, and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and I'll read there in just a moment. And as we hear from God's word, listen for what this passage says lasts. What really, truly lasts? And what does this passage teach us about God? And in light of what we learn about God, what does that mean for our lives? Follow along with me in your Bible, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'll start at verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain 
nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, and when I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now, we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three, but the greatest of these is love. Father God, thank you for your word. And I pray that you would speak to our hearts this morning, that our hearts and minds would be open to you, that that your spirit would help us to understand your word, and that our lives would be changed as a result this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. For many of you, this is a familiar passage, and you might even be thinking as I read it, where do I often hear this? You know, if it's a familiar passage to you, and it may not be, but if it is, where have you heard it before? What was the setting that you were in when, when, when 1 Corinthians 13 is read? You know, perhaps it was at a wedding or even at a funeral, at a time when, when this poetic uh, scripture about love seemed appropriate. Um, and when we think of love, because of our own, our own understandings, because of the culture around us, what do we think about when we talk about love? And is that what God wants us to understand about love? The problem sometimes with a familiar passage of Scripture is that we risk thinking we've already got it. We already understand it. We've already heard what needs to be heard from this passage. And so maybe we skip over it, or maybe we don't take the time we should. And so let's not do that this morning. Let's consider this passage uh, as, as clearly as we can, and let's consider it in the context it's written. Where does chapter 13 fall in this letter? And what is going on before this passage uh, in this letter? What is going on in the Corinthian church that the author of this letter, God, through the Apostle Paul, why did he insert these strong statements in this need for love? See, the Corinthian Christians, the people in the church that, that Paul had helped start this church, and, and he knew them, and then he had gone away, and they were continuing to do many good things in following Jesus, but they also were confused and distracted and losing their way in some ways. 
You see, these Corinthian Christians, they they began to think they were special or somehow above others because of their knowledge or because of this wisdom that God had given them. They began to to divide against each other, and instead of being unified, they found ways to divide themselves or to make themselves more important than others. They, They divided even over their loyalty to certain human leaders. I follow him. Well, I like him more. Well, he's better looking. And they began, they began, began to be divided, valuing outward appearance and, and so-called human skills over what was in a leader's heart, what was in a man's heart. They began to value the world's values over whether someone they were following was being led by the Holy Spirit of God. And they thought that associating themselves with these different leaders would then make them somehow elevated. If I pick the right leader to associate with myself, I become more important. And as we continue to flip through this letter in your Bible called 1 Corinthians, if we went back and looked at these recent weeks that we've been teaching and studying through it, we would remember that they also, in their newfound freedom in Christ, began to abuse their freedoms. They began to think they were so free that they could allow sexual sin to go um, unnoticed in their church family. They also began to, instead of uh, dealing with issues they had, dealing with problems they had within the community, instead of caring for one another uh, Christian to Christian, they began to go outside the church to put blame on each other and to find counsel and to find judgment. We read, as we read this letter in previous weeks, we were reminded that knowledge can puff up. That if we're not careful, we're going to choose being right over being loving. If we're not careful of thinking we have all this knowledge and wisdom from God, if we're not careful, we're going to choose being right over what is best, what is useful for others, what builds others up. This is what the Corinthians were struggling with, and these are the things, the issues they had, and the distractions they had, and the disunity they had as Paul writes this letter to them. And even in worship, even as they gathered together for worship, they were drawing attention to themselves instead of making sure that Jesus gets all the glory. And so this letter is correcting them on these various things. And then in recent passages, in the last couple of weeks that we've studied this uh, part of our Bible, it started talking about spiritual gifts, that as a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit of God lives within you and gives you a spiritual gift, a supernatural empowerment, something that God has made you uniquely to do, not to puff you up, not to be bragging about your spiritual gift and what you contribute, But spiritual gifts are given to us for the good of those around us, for the good of the family of God, for the church family, and for the glory of Christ. But the Corinthians were abusing their spiritual gifts even, and they were were, um, overemphasizing certain gifts, de-emphasizing other gifts, uh, and for the sake of their self-importance. Well, if I have this gift, I must be so much more important than this person over here. They were overemphasizing their self-importance at the expense of what was good for the whole church family. And if you look at chapter 12, verse 31, the very end of the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 31, it says this, but earnestly desire the highest gifts. 
So, so spiritual gifts are a good thing. We are to desire them. We want God to work in us and, and help us to learn what our spiritual gifts are so that we can use them. We want to desire to have the spiritual gifts that are the higher gifts, the ones that have the most potential to build up the church, to be a blessing to others, and to glorify Jesus. But look at that, how that verse continues, chapter 12, verse 31. Earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. I will show you something even better, Paul writes, even better than exercising your spiritual gifts, even better than serving the church in that way. I will show you a still more excellent way, something even better. And the end of our passage says something that's greater than these. So let's go back through our passage this morning and see what God wants to show us here. Because God's word is living and active. It's not just for the Corinthian Christians 2,000 years ago, why did God bring us to this scripture passage on this day in 2020 in the midst of what we are facing? What does God have in store for us because his word is living and active? Let's take a look back through this passage. And first, we're gonna see the necessity of love. We're gonna see how necessary love is and what happens if there is an absence of love. Chapter 13, verse 1 again. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so much as to remove mountains, but I have not love, I am nothing. If I give away everything I have, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but I have not love, I gain nothing. Look at the necessity in those verses. Look at the the way that love is so necessary because what happens in the absence of love? Noisy, clanging, I am nothing, I gain nothing. That's what the passage says is true about the absence of love. And so what about you and I? What does this have to do with us? What might God wanna use, uh, how might God wanna use this in our lives? Instead of looking at me, Instead of me wondering what my spiritual gift is, instead of figuring out how I can be more oppressive, impressive to those people around me, instead of it being about my so-called wisdom or knowledge, instead of religious behavior, that's what these last three verses kind of rattled off, I could do a lot of religious things, I could do a lot of seemingly good things, but if I have not love, I am nothing. So instead of looking at me and what I get out of it and how I come across what if God helps you and I to look outward? For life not to be about me, but about the people that God has put around us in our spheres of influence. Instead of it being me, how might God want our lives to be about love? We've talked a little bit about how spiritual gifts are Grace gifts from God. They're not something we earned. They're not something that we deserved. But as followers of Jesus, when the Spirit comes to live within us, one of the things that God does is he gives us a spiritual gift. And so these grace gifts are empowered by the Holy Spirit. They're not something that, that we work up, that we try hard to accomplish. It's, it's a work of the Holy Spirit in and out of our lives. And, and love, real Love that is from God is similar because elsewhere in Scripture, the Bible refers to love 
as a fruit of the Spirit, a result of the Spirit's working in me, something that should come out of me as a follower of Jesus, a fruit of my life is love, is growing in love. And so let's, let's be careful here. You don't get to have a spiritual gift or flaunt a spiritual gift, but be absent or, or, or of love. They, they go together. They're both spirit work. You don't get to have or flaunt your spiritual gifts without also having and growing in love. Spiritual gifts and fruit of the spirit in your life like love won't be present in your life, won't be part of you unless you are a follower of Jesus, unless you've given your life to him, unless the spirit is at work within you. And we say so often around here that the gospel is the good news that God rescues sinners like you and I through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The gospel is the good news that even though we rebel against God and go our own way and fall short of his glory and do things for ourselves, that God does not leave us stuck there. The gospel is the good news that God enacted a rescue plan through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus so that we can find true life. Life now, transformed and new, and life eternal with God. And this becoming a Christian, this becoming a follower of Jesus, this having God in a person's life is not just because you heard about Jesus. It's not just because you claim to believe and follow Jesus. It's not just because you know about Jesus or you've heard the story of the Bible. It's not because you've attended church for a long time. We become a Christian, we become a follower of Jesus by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone, realizing we can't do it on our own, realizing that we need God to rescue us, and we entrust ourselves to God, we submit ourselves to God, we believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he is who he says he is, that he lived, died, and rose again so that we could live, and we put our trust in that, not ourselves. We put a trust in him, not ourselves. And then as we've become a follower of Jesus, the Spirit of God lives within us, empowers us, and guiding us, and part of that ongoing transformation is being changed into the image of Jesus, and that being changed into the likeness of Jesus includes being more loving. It's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift of God. It's a transformation that God wants to do in you and in me so that we will be able to be conduits of his love to us, conduits of his love out to others. So that's the necessity of love that we see in this passage. Let's, look, let's keep going, verse 4, and we'll see the character, the nature of love. Verse 4, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And just, just reread that. We, we, maybe we've heard it many times before, but again, do we, do we pause and ask God to use this in our lives? Maybe we need to reread those verses that I just read, four through seven, and examine ourselves in light of those verses. Are these things that are true for me? Are these things that God is developing in you? 
If you are a follower of Jesus, if you have given your life to him, you have the spirit of God and love is a fruit of that spirit, a result of God working in your life. Love is not about what's good for me. Love gives, it extends, it reaches, it benefits others. It's not by my effort to try hard. It's because God loves me, is transforming me, and bringing about love that I can share with those around me. God, the Bible tells us that God is love. And the Bible tells us that we love because God first loved us. That's what we learn about God. That's what we're reminded about, about God in this passage. And the third thing we see in this passage is the permanence of love, the endlessness of love. Look at verse 8. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. But what did verse 8 say? Love never ends. This is an interesting passage, and, and this is something that we could take a long time talking about and won't this morning, but Christians disagree um, about when the spiritual gifts may or may not cease. Christians, good, Jesus-loving, Bible-believing people come to different conclusions about when some of these spiritual gifts, the miraculous gifts, tongues and healing and things like that, some Christians believe that they were for the New Testament era, for the first a hundred years after Christ, for when the apostles were still alive so that Christianity would be noted by this spiritual power. And other Christians believe the Bible teaches that these spiritual gifts have extended into our current day and will continue until Jesus returns. So there's this, these comments in here in verses 8 and 9 about these spiritual gifts ceasing at some point, that they will go away. But the point of our passage today is that Love continues, that love is endless, that the spiritual gifts are good and useful, and God has plans for those to be used in our lives and for the good of the people around us, for the church. But even better, he said earlier, a more excellent way, the greatest of these, is love. You see, the Corinthian Christians were emphasizing things that were for the, that time and those purposes. But love never ends. As we just said, God is love. And so it's always important to look at context. Chapter 13 is in the middle of this letter written to the Corinthian Christians. And it's a letter that God used to address their division and their disunity and their confusion and the different questions they had. And we wanna, we wanna understand that when we read about love in chapter 13 that the, the primary purpose of this passage then was to remind these Corinthian Christians who were disagreeing about spiritual gifts, who were overemphasizing a certain gift or that gift, and trying to puff themselves up with their importance. And Paul, God through Paul, interjects, you know what's even better? Love others. You know what's even better? Love that comes from God that you share with others. Love that never ends. And so that's what's going on in this passage, and, and yet I think it's also appropriate because God's word is living and active. What does this passage have to do with us today? Why did we come to this passage as a church family on this date in history? What does God maybe even have for us today in 1 Corinthians 13, even in the midst of the coronavirus pandemic? The necessity of love. 
instead of turning inward and it being about me and what's best for me, how might God want us to look outward? Because any efforts to serve, any efforts to care for others, any efforts to do what God wants us to do fall flat without love. So how might God want to use that in the midst of this as we're getting a sense of our surroundings and these changing circumstances and where am I supposed to be and who am I not supposed to be around and who can I touch and where should I, should I just stay at home? We need to do things that are safe. We need to take appropriate precautions. But instead of looking inward, let's look outward with love, the necessity of love that so many around us need that God wants to use you to bring into their lives. The nature of love is God developing that kind of love that we read in verses four through seven? Is God just developing that kind of love in you, in me? It, do those verses describe increasingly what is true about my life? Do verses four through seven, not that we're perfect in these ways, but do they increasingly describe us, you know, less arrogant, less rude, more about others, not about self, not insisting on its own way, not irritable? Let's pray that God, by his Spirit's work, would be increasing our love, be increasing his character in us so that we could then be conduits of his love to those around us, so we could be proclaimers of the good news of Jesus to those around us. And the endlessness of love. Why would that be important to consider today, the endlessness of love? Because the coronavirus, this pandemic, it will ease there will be a point in the future where this is no longer such a thing. But people's sin disease, people's rebellion against God, people's separation from God because of their sin is a problem that is ongoing. And love is the endless response. God's endless love is, is the response. There will be a solution, I imagine. I, I'm guessing that there will be a vaccine for the coronavirus. But how do we, as followers of Jesus, how do we as God's people point people to Jesus for the cure to their sin problem? Love goes on. God's love is poured out to us. May we be recipients of God's love as, as he pours it out to us and may it overflow out of our lives that endless love that's poured out to us through Jesus, may that endless love be poured out to people around us. Because love is a fruit of the Spirit, and Spirit-filled lives will be fruitful, and part of the fruit of our lives will be growing in the fruit of the Spirit, including love. So yes, church family, friends, yes, you need to be healthy in order to help other people. So take precautions by all means. Keep yourself safe. Keep those around you safe. But let's also put our trust in God. Find our rest in God. And while we want to make sure that, that we are appropriately safe, this crisis that we find ourselves in is also an opportunity for God to show himself to people who desperately need him the this, this situation that we find ourselves in is also an opportunity for Christians to be light, for Christians to be love to people who need it. And so we've talked about the church. What is a church? It's not a building. It's not 10, 15 a.m. It's not an event. 
The church is, is a people, God's people, and we are one body, many parts. You are an important part of the body of Christ. You are a necessary part, a critical part. You are needed. God has plans for you. And right now, right now, there are some parts of our church family, some members, some parts of the body that are limited. That, that need to stay home, that are limited by their immune, uh, compromised immune system, that are limited by being in an at-risk category. How can we, how might you, be conduits of God's love to them? There are people in our church family, there are people in our community that need help, that need you. And as we prepare to celebrate Easter in a few weeks, you are needed to be part of the body of Christ here, to make everything that goes on around here, ministry at Faith Church possible, you are needed. You are a critical part. So let me invite you. You can use the comments on this video. You could send an email to info at faithchurchdallas.org. Do you need help right now in our church family? Do you need help? Are you stuck at home? Do you need errands run? Do you need food? Is there another way that we could help you? Reach out. To those you know, your brothers and sisters in the church family, reach out to your life group or contact the church office. We want to know how we all can be the family of God and care for you. And like a couple of you already have reached out to me this week, would you also reach out to us if you can help, if you want to be a help, if you don't need to be isolated at home, if you want to see how God might use you in this time, would you let us know that you're available, that you would be willing to run errands, that you would go over and give a call and care and check in? We would love to hear from you and connect you uh, with a need that we have in our church family. And the passage finishes like this, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 13. Now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Thank you, Father God, that you are a God of so much love. Father God, thank you that you demonstrated your great love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. God, thank you that you are a God of love, and because your love abounds to us, because your love is endless and pouring into our lives, God, we know that we are to love others. Those around us, we are to love because you first loved us. So help us do that, Lord. Help us not to just think of ourselves. Help us to look around us and see needs and see people with your eyes so that we might respond as your people, as God's people, the church. God, we do pray this morning for all affected by this crisis. We pray for those that are sick. We pray for the families of those who have passed away. We pray for those who are, 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 are fearing God, would you be our comfort and our peace? Would you help us to not live by fear, but by faith in you? Would you help us to not live uh, lacking in faith, but instead trusting that your good purposes prevail in every situation? Father God, we pray for those in our church family that we wish we could have gathered with this morning, but that we can reach out to on our own. We pray for those in our church family. Would you help us to grow in you, to increasingly be conduits of God's love to other people and proclaimers of the good news of Jesus. Lord, use us as you see fit. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, 
As we said, that was pretty different. We hope you were able to see it. We hope technology allowed you to participate. We'll keep working on that. Um, but in the meantime, um, what might God have for us? And I just encourage you as we, as we finish up today, as we wrap this up, uh, we're going to have some time on our hands. A lot of stuff's getting canceled. A lot of things that we're used to doing are not happening. You may have some time on your hands. And how's God going to use that time? How might we use that time to be a loving presence in someone's life? How might we use that to be a non-anxious presence in someone's life who needs it? How might we use the time God's giving us, the extra time that God's giving us to grow spiritually, to get closer to God? If you missed the, uh, if you missed the beginning of this video, we're going to post it in its entirety, and so you'll be able to hopefully see what you missed. Uh, and stay tuned. We'll email We'll post on Facebook, we'll post on our website, the changing circumstances and our plans for ministry. Uh, for now, plan on this next Sunday as well, online only, next Sunday as well. Beyond that, we'll keep you updated as best we can. Lord bless you, we love you, have a great rest of your Sunday.